the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for the Your Personal Bank Show with Parents Toast. In an era of chaos, confusion, and craziness, Parents is a voice for common sense. As a financial literacy educator, speaker, and entrepreneur, Parents cuts through the noise to help us understand how current events affect our money, economy, and our freedom. Now, here's Parents Toast. Welcome to the Your Personal Bank Show. We have a lot to discuss today, so let's jump right into it. First thing I want to bring up is something that I don't know if I've ever seen before, and that is economists at the Federal Reserve have now predicted a mild recession would hit the U.S. in the second half of 2023. Why I'm saying this is I don't know if I've ever seen a situation where the Federal Reserve, uh, admitting to the fact that they think there's going to be a recession, uh, that's an amazing, truly an amazing um, admission, especially when you consider not, gosh, not even a year ago, they were telling us inflation would be transitory and all these other things, right? That's, that's an amazing transition of position in about a year. Of course, a lot of people are, are really just waking up to the fact that the Federal Reserve has increased interest rates at the fastest rate ever in history, in the history of the Federal Reserve, which is over 100 years. Um, what I mean by this is the federal funds rate. That's the uh, rate that uh, the Fed rate, that, that's the rate that the banks loan money to each other or the overnight discount rate is called sometimes. In other words, banks have to balance their books on a daily basis, and if uh, they have to have so much in reserves. And if one bank, say, is a, a little short on their reserves that day when they close a business and a, another bank has excess reserves, excess deposits, let's say, they'll loan money to each other. And they do this on a regular, like I said, on a daily basis even to keep their books balanced and have be in compliance and all that, having enough in reserve at any given time. And so the rate that banks were loaning money, lending money to each other overnight uh, just over a year ago was 0.25% or a quarter of a percent. Today, that rate is 5%. In other words, uh, the rate has increased 20-fold, not 20%, 20 times, 20-fold. So the, so the cost of borrowing money to balance your books as a bank has increased 20 times, 20-fold. Of course, the, uh, we talk a lot about the prime rate. Uh, that's the, called the Wall Street Journal prime rate. That's, uh, that's announced on a monthly basis, and it's, it's uh, con- widely considered the lowest rate an individual can borrow money at with good credit. A pretty good uh, rule of thumb. It's, it's devised by the Wall Street Journal. They take the average of borrowing lending rates of the top 30 banks. They take the tops and the bottoms off, and I think they average it out. And so for their uh, customers, again, with good credit, and to give you an idea, just over a year ago, the prime rate was three and a quarter percent. You know, most people understand that you could get a 30 year fixed mortgage, for example, just over a year ago in the like low threes. I even saw some high twos, like two seven fives, things like that. Today, the prime is eight percent. So it went from three and a quarter to just over a year, eight. 
In other words, more than double. Yes, the Federal Reserve raised interest rates higher in the 1970s overall, but they didn't raise them as quickly or as fast or as aggressively as they have this past year. That's what I'm talking about. It's been an extremely aggressive, extremely fast increase. And this has tremendous impacts on the economy, on our money, investments, whether it be the stock market, real estate, or anything else for that matter. It has significant impacts. And we're going to discuss more of that today to help you understand what some of those impacts likely are going to be. So back to this point I'm making here or this article with the Federal Reserve predicting a recession in the second half of 2023. Again, I'm not aware. It may have happened at some point in the past, but I'm not aware of any point that the Federal Reserve ever (laughs) admitted to the fact that there was going to or they expected a recession. Like I said, that 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 should mean it's it's like earth-shattering kind of news. I mean, I understand the markets have been whistling Dixie, so to speak, whistling past the uh, graveyard. Uh, most people have not paid much attention, but as I state all the time, you listen to this show on a regular basis, you know uh, the Federal Reserve is the 800-pound gorilla, and you don't want to fight the Fed. You've probably heard that term. And they do own a, a roughly over uh, over $8 trillion of assets that's on their balance, balance sheet still. And, again, that makes up uh, securities, you know, mortgage-backed securities, and bonds. So they're the biggest holder of assets in the world. So you have the largest buyer or seller, period, in the world out there. What they do makes a difference. And I've often heard, I've heard a lot of people discuss, even in the last uh, few couple of years in particular, like our um, uh, stock markets and stuff, are really it's a Fed market. In other words, whatever direction the Fed is going <coughs> determines uh, largely what direction those, those stock market's going, for example, or real estate or whatever, for that matter. And there's a lot of truth to that. There's a lot of it because, as we all know, after um, the, um, what is it, the COVID shutdowns in 2020, the Fed purchased assets at a record rate. And again, they bought stocks. They bought uh, bonds. They bought mortgage-backed securities at, a, at an unprecedented rate. And that, of course, caused... Uh, you know, the markets and the asset values to go up significantly, okay, and quite quickly, quite aggressively because of their aggressive purchasing. We've seen it more. We've talked about this in the mar- uh, in the previous shows more recently where we had the recent bank failures with Silicon Valley, Silicon Valley Bank, for example, where the Fed injected roughly half, uh, $500 billion or half a trillion dollars of purchasing, again, buying bonds, buying stocks, buying mortgage-backed securities, and, of course, printing money to do that because they don't actually have you know, cash on hand, so to speak. So that, of course, exacerbates inflation, right? So it's very, very significant what the Federal Reserve does. And to keep a close eye, close tabs on what they're doing is extremely important. Now, I'm not going to say it's 100% of what a decision, somebody making a financial decision or an investment decision should make. But again, the macro trend, understanding what the big picture is, and the, the, you know, the trend is your friend, um, is very important. Going against the trend, um, I'm not saying never do that, but to go against the trend can be 
challenging at best. You know what I mean? Going with the trend, the trend being your friend is often far easier. Now, back to this uh, Federal Reserve thing. This is what I this is a few of the things that the Fed minutes were saying that I think are very important. Their point is they're saying how severe of a, a recession do they expect uh, in the second half of 2023? And it says it, it's a dependent on the banking and financial conditions and their effects. If they're if they're going to deteriorate more than assume, then we could, of course, have a more severe re- recession. I'm paraphrasing here, of course. Um, and assets in the this is according to the Fed. Assets in the overall banking system are approximately two trillion dollars lower than their book value due to elevated interest rates. Folks, that is significant. In fact, this is uh, from a study from the National Bureau of Economic Research. This is what's caused concerns about the stability of the of the sector, of the banking sector, and and that is the one sector of the economy that affects all the other sectors, because business needs money. That's sort of the the fuel, if you will, for business to operate and grow and expand and and do their business. And and, um, the banking sector services all the other sectors. So when you have a reduction in liquidity or reduction in lending, um, credit tightening, which is happening, that is happening with banks, because their asset values have dropped. Why has why is that the case? A lot of people still don't un, really don't know, but in simple terms, a lot of what banks purchased were bonds because that's a safe, consistent asset, um, and it paid an interest rate. And unfortunately for the banks, many of the banks out there, the bonds they purchased over the past decade paid very, very low interest rates because again. We had the lowest interest rate environment in the history of our country. Again, you can blame the Federal Reserve for artificially keeping interest rates very low for an extended period of time. Artificially low, in fact. While it was easy monetary policy, cheap money might have been good for business, good for asset values, good for uh, real estate values, things like that. Low interest rates or easy monetary policy meant those who were purchasing guaranteed or safer type assets, those are like banks, like uh, uh, more conservative investors, retirees, things like that, were stuck with lower, low interest rate environment, low interest uh, investments, bonds, annuities, dividend, things like that, right? So the point is these banks were buying these bonds. They're paying these low interest rates. And now with the Fed rapidly cranking the interest rates up so quickly, now the bonds they purchase are paying a much higher interest rate, meaning the older bonds with the low, paying the lower interest rate are worth a lot less. It's just that simple, folks. So the value of their portfolio, of these bonds that many of these banks purchased, are just not worth as much as they were a year or so ago. And it's causing a significant, a significant um, challenge to the whole banking sector and, you know, the stability of that sector. And that is very likely going to be the cause, according to the Federal Reserve even themselves, of this recession that we're, they, they say we're, we're going to be facing. I'm going to encourage you to stay tuned in the next segment because I want to talk some more th- about this and discuss some tax issues that I think you're going to find very interesting. So I encourage you to stay tuned in the next segment. Don't miss it. Stay tuned for more Common Sense from Ferens. For more information, 
Contact Barron's at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Barron's Toast. Want more information? Contact Barron's at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Now back to the show with Barron's Toast. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show. And in the last segment, of course, I was discussing a lot about the Federal Reserve, the actions that they've taken regarding interest rates, how aggressively aggressively they've increased them, and some of the some of the impact that that's causing, caused and is causing, and then they themselves, the Federal Reserve that is, are now predicting a recession in the second half of 2023. That is an astounding admission, folks. And you should pay attention to it. Look, it's not guaranteed that there's going to be a recession because the Federal Reserve thinks it's going to happen. But I certainly wouldn't bet against it. And the fact that they're even admitting to the fact that they're expecting one is an amazing admission. And based on their history of, you know, inflation is transitory and them being very hesitant to really let out the truth, I would be more than concerned about what the uh <laughs> this recession likely is going to end up being how bad it's going to be and how long you know what can you do well there's a lot of things you can do one of the one of the how should i say benefits or side benefits of increased interest rate environment of course is the assets that pay that are interest rate sensitive so things like bonds dividends you know the annuities the 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 cd's the bank money all the the things that tend to be on the safer side of the spectrum are now paying much higher interest rates, far higher interest rates than they were even a year ago. I mean, anyone who had a bank account knows or savings account knows that for the past decade, you know, if you were getting 1%, even on a high interest savings or money market account, that was amazing. Okay. I'm seeing some of that stuff now available in the 4 4% range. I've even seen a few 5% um, interest rates coming out. So that's a tremendous increase from like less than 1 to 4 or 5. You know what I'm saying? We're well, seeing the same thing with dividends, with the uh, your personal bank policies. You know, they're insured, guaranteed, tax-free, as I often share. Um, but they've been on the low end of the spectrum for this past decade. Again, because of the actions of the Federal Reserve and the low interest rate environment. So, you know, the fact that we still have dividends paying in the 6% range even today is amazing, considering what we've been through, and they're on their way up. And that's going to be pretty exciting going forward. Historical average is around 7 8%. And uh, when I share that, a lot of people are surprised <laughs> And uh, it's in the the reason they're surprised is because they've gotten so used to the low interest rate environment, again, because of what the Federal Reserve did. What I'm trying to say is I'm not trying to scare anybody. Again, nobody tells me what to say. Um, I just share what, you know, I see what I from my experience. And uh, I just try to share from the heart what I I believe to be cut through the noise and be the facts and and, uh, you know, share some common sense if you know what I'm trying to say. And all I'm saying is if the Federal Reserve is predicting a recession, pay attention. It's going to very likely going to happen. 
And unfortunately, it's probably going to be worse than they're willing to admit, probably going to last longer than they're willing to admit. And the cause is, like they stated themselves, is probably going to come from the banking sector. And uh, that's going to impact just about everything out there. Well, how do you protect yourself? Well, guaranteed ask, guaranteed investments, you know, that's a big place. That's a good place to diversify into. Your personal bank, obviously, is one of those. Um, there are others that exist out there. But, uh, you know, some bank money, CDs, things like that are things that you may want to annuities. You may want to start considering where the past 10 years, frankly, many people would never consider because of the lower returns. Um, and I understand why. Again, the economy was far different with easy monetary policy, you know, over the past decade or so than it is today. We are in a different environment, in a vastly, vastly different environment. Now, the other thing I want to uh, segue to and change a bit is a little bit, we you know, had tax day recently, and I've seen a lot of things. I haven't mentioned a lot about this but uh, um, recently, but I, but it's a very important topic. And I think one of the things about it is I'm seeing a lot of frustration involved around taxes. And I think the biggest source of that frustration is, you know, our federal government, for example, is taking in a record amount of uh, revenues. So the, the situation is not a, a revenue problem for the government. It's a spending problem. The fact that they are receiving record income yet have record debt at the same time is a recipe for disaster. And it, it's just plain and simple. And, and what's really, really infuriating about it, what's so frustrating is so much of it involves areas of waste in many cases. I mean, uh, here's a great example. An article here was government wasted a shocking amount of money on incorrect payments last year. Uh, according to the Government Accountability Office, in fiscal year 2022, uh, the federal federal government has wasted as much as two hundred and forty seven billion in payment errors, and uh, much of that, of course, went to uh, over half. They said went to Medicaid and Medicare, uh, where they paid people out either that should not have been paid out or overpaid them. That type of thing. Um, then, of course, the Paycheck Protection Program. Uh, had a, a significant amount of uh, errors. They reported $29 billion in payment errors. They estimate that criminals stole as much as $60 billion um, from unemployment programs through the stimulus bills. Um, other estimates from the Government Accountability Office say as much as $400 billion, and others equivalent to about a half of the total unemployment funds approved by the government, were lost to fraud. Look, you have these programs where they offer money to, like with the COVID shutdowns, and they offered money to, for people to, to, for unemployment or businesses to help keep employees on and stuff like that. The value of those programs can be argued, but the fact that up, upwards, according to the government account, the own government accountability office, as much as half of the unemployment funds that were paid out over the past couple, three years, were lost to fraud. Look, if you ran a household or a business and half of your income was just wasted 
how long would you be financially solvent? The, the reality is, in most cases, you wouldn't be at all. And this, is, this comes down to basic financial responsibility. And there is a, a total, complete lack of that. I don't think anyone can argue um, that wasting money is a good idea, okay? And that's where the frustration comes down to. People work hard. People work hard for the money they earn and then pay in taxes. And what you need to understand, if you haven't thought about it this way, is money that you earn, money that you work for, whether it's a business you own or it's, uh, you know, uh, salary or, you know, wages you earn from work that you do, or it's investments that you are making from money that you worked. You, the seed money was you worked for it to then earn that you earn that money to then invest. Right. That's that's the where the vast majority of Americans are. Right. That's where your money came from. It, and that money you worked for, that you earned, it was, as I call it, blood, sweat, and tears, right? It was time. In other words, you invested time and energy that's irreplaceable. You cannot replace time. doesn't matter how much money you have. You cannot replace time, right? So you, you expended an, a, a irreplaceable asset, your time, for a replaceable asset, arguably, money, right? And then that money, a portion of that money, then the government requires you to pay that in to the system. And then large chunks of it just gets wasted on fraud and just lack of accountability and lack of uh, fiscal responsibility, I don't know about you, folks, but that I find that incredibly, incredibly frustrating. I mean, it's bad enough that much of our money that we pay into the system goes to things that many of us do not agree with, okay, from political reasons or whatever. But flat-out waste and fraud is something that almost nobody can argue with. And there is an overwhelming amount of it. Here's another article, the Afghan... Um, uh, Afghanistan Inspector General, he's he's hammered the Biden administration for uh, delays and just lack of of how should I say he called it bureaucratic dysfunction and understaffing. Uh, he said the, the 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 Inspector General will say that the the lack of accountability is beyond belief. And his point is, if you re- it was a scathing report, and as he points out, the amount of money that's still going into places like in Afghanistan, going to the Taliban supposedly for aid, much of that is being, you know, we're basically a lot of our money is going straight direct, directly to the Taliban, and this is according to Inspector General. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but again, I find that incredibly frustrating as where did that money come from? did not come from the government. Remember, the government has no money. It came from we, the people who paid into the system. Or they printed it, which means inflation. Stay tuned in the next segment. I'm going to discuss some more things and some solutions, so I'm going to encourage you not to miss it. Stay tuned for more Common Sense from Ferens. For more information, contact Ferens at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422.
Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Ferenc Toth. Want more information? Contact Ferenc at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Now back to the show with Ferenc Toth. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show. And we've been discussing uh, a lot about, well, <laughs> about the... Uh, Potential recession that the Federal Reserve states uh, they believe will start in the second half of 2023. We're going to see. I would not uh, bet against it. We'll put it that way. And then uh, taxes and and the money that's going into the into the federal government, which is record levels of, of funding going into the government. And then we're at the same time seeing record levels of waste and fraud and you know, like I was saying in the in the previous segment, this money that people are paying into the system, I'm seeing an increasing level of frustration, and rightly so, because you work hard for the money you earn. If you're a pay- taxpayer and you pay into the system, as many people do, obviously, re- record revenues are being sent to the uh, uh, to the federal government. You know that is hard money. You know that's blood, sweat, and tears. Uh, time that you cannot replace that's going to the government to then see a a large percentage of it wasted and just frittered away is is frustrating beyond belief give you a quick example Um, i was talking about the uh the inspector general report on the um well afghanistan on the withdrawal and all that Apparently, I was not aware of this, that the U.S. government has sent $8 billion to Afghanistan, to supposedly to the Afghan people, since the August 2021 withdrawal. And this was supposed to be for, like, food relief and things like that. And according to the inspector general, he believes the majority of that money has gone straight to the Taliban. In other words, our tax, our money we work hard for, give to the U.S. government, is portion of that's going to the Taliban. I'm sorry, I have a problem with that. I find that I, I find that completely irresponsible. And then the you know previous thing we were talking about just record levels of waste. You know, I was in the military, and this is going back a ways. Okay, so in the 1980s, I was in the I was in the U.S. Army. I served in the Third uh, U.S. Infantry, Old Guard. Uh, I was stationed in Fort Myers, Virginia, which is right, right across the river from Washington, Washington D.C. Uh, actually, worked in the White House, among other places. And uh, I remember back then, even I knew the uh, my roommate for a while. We had uh, you know barracks mate was the supply sergeant for our company. And I remember seeing where he would order different various materials for, you know, for the unit. And I saw the level of he would have all these extra stuff come in and all these kinds of things. And the amount of money that was spent, I remember it was famous back then. It was something like $300 for a hammer or something like that, that the uh, the the armed military was paying at that time their defense contractors for. Ridiculous waste, Okay. This was back then. That was peanuts in comparison to what we're seeing now. And it just doesn't seem like anyone is doing anything about it, and the frustration level keeps increasing. 
there's a quote by Thomas Sowell. And if you haven't read anything from Thomas Sowell, I strongly, strongly encourage you to do so. He was one of the premier economic thinkers of our time. And uh, he has a quote here, and, and, I, and I quote, I have never understood why it is greed to want to keep the money you have earned, but not greed to want to take somebody else's money. And I think that's, he's right. It's a very valuable statement. Because we have so many people running around in government these days saying you should pay your fair share, which is, like Thomas Sowell stated, it's wanting to take somebody else's money. Look, if the money was being used efficiently, effectively, for good quality things that need to be done, like national defense, which are some of the things that the federal government's role is supposed to be, Uh, keeping our borders secure, for example, and protecting our citizens, things like that, which is the role of government. That's their job. And if they were using that money in a fiscally responsible way and were being responsible about it, that's one thing. But when you see the government spending money on things that have nothing to do with what their, their, their role is, completely and totally off the rails, and then on top of that make it even worse, just flat-out waste and fraud. That's beyond, like I said, beyond frustrating. And my hope is that we see some change. I, my hope is the level of frustration grows enough that we see some real change about this as we go forward. And, and, and here's something I'm, I am seeing that since some, some encouragement. So Speaker McCarthy has come out and stated that he will uh, – take a House vote soon to cap federal spending at 2022 levels and raise the debt uh, limit for debt ceiling limit for one year. Look, I'm not in favor of raising the debt ceiling limit because, of course, that means more spending, right? But I also understand that uh, fiscal conservatives are not the majority in government, at least not at this point, obviously, And uh, so there has to be some kind of compromise. There has to be some kind of direct movement direction in the movement in the right direction. And I do believe in in general, I'm in favor of most of the actions, because if you look into this further and this is going to get interesting, because if something isn't done about the debt ceiling and things like that soon, then they you'll you know, the government will default. Okay, they will not be able to pay the bills that they have. stated, you know, or whatever, committed to, right? One of the things is the bill would limit subsequent spending increases to just 1% per year for the next decade. You know, I like that. That's a move in the right direction. For example, this increased spending cannot continue indefinitely. There is no free lunch. And and if the government continues to keep spending and spending like it's been doing, I mean, we've already seen this past year or so some uh, generational high inflation. The government continues to spend like it's done in the past. We'll see things worse than that. Okay, uh, I saw somebody talking about. Well, they keep talking about kicking the can down the road. When is the bad news going to come, folks? Some of it is already hitting us with record inflation. Right? There are things that you you know like austerity measures, like Greece went through about a decade ago. Things like that that could come down the pike if we don't get a handle on this. It's not too late, in my opinion. But things need to be done, and that the fact that some of this 
they're discussing it actually, which is the first time I've seen this in a long, long time. That in itself is an encouraging. To give you an example, the federal budget that was voted on the previous year, which is the one where you know that the government is spending on right now, that spending bill included 134 billion more in non-emergency spending compared to the prior year, which was an overall increase of nine percent. So in other words, the government from 2022 to 2023 increased spending 9% in one year, okay? By limiting themselves to 1% per year for the next decade is most definitely a step in the right direction. And they believe they can do this without affecting Social Security and Medicare in a negative way. Um, So if they can get this accomplished, well, I'm all for it. Um, Again, just raising the debt ceiling without any strings attached is complete and total fiscal irresponsibility. And it's just going to cause bigger and bigger financial issues in the future. So this is the kind of thing to keep a close attention on, close eye on. And I encourage you to contact your representatives and tell them, look, we're in favor of fiscal responsibility. We're against... um, reckless spending. There's been too much of it. And forget pointing blame at this point. Both parties have done it, and it's gone on for decades. Everyone's been guilty, okay? That's the bottom line. That's the facts. That's not the politics. That's the facts. And I can say this personally. I was frustrated with the spending that Bush Jr. did, okay? I thought he spent too much. So I've had an issue with this literally for decades, okay? Both parties have been guilty, and it's continued to get ran. When I see people say, well, the Republicans did it or the Democrats did it, that's defeating the purpose. Look, nobody should have done it, but it's but that's water under the bridge. It's already happened. Are we going to be adults and address the issue and stop this reckless spending or not? Are we going to stop causing more problems for ourselves in the future or not? And again, I don't know that this would be the solution that I would come up with if I was in charge, but it's the best thing I've seen in a long, long time. And again, increasing spending by 1% a year for a decade is most definitely a step in the right direction compared to what's been happening where you're increasing spending by 9% in just one year. Okay? So again, it's a definite, definite step in the right direction. And I'm hopeful... I am hopeful that something positive in that regard will happen because then we can all actually start to get some financial sanity, some financial responsibility in our government. And the only way it's going to happen, folks, is if we, the people, we, the voters, demand it. Stay tuned in the next segment. The final, uh, well, next segment, I'm going to cover a few more things and some solutions and some plans, what to do. Um, going forward. So I'm really going to encourage you to stay tuned and and not miss it. Stay tuned for more common sense from Ferens. For more information, contact Ferens at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Ferenc Toth. Want more information? Contact Ferenc at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Now back to the show with Ferenc Toth. 
Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show. As we've been discussing in this show, we've been a lot of things in terms of like the debt ceiling and some proposals that uh, McCarthy, uh, Speaker McCarthy, has been bringing up, where he's, the House is going to vote on a solution of only allowing a one percent annual increase for the next per year for the next decade. Uh, in in return, the you know increasing the debt ceiling for one year. Look, I don't like that, but if it, if giving that as a compromise to reducing spending to manageable levels for the next decade, I think that's a pretty good compromise. That's a pretty good trade-off. You know, the fiscal conservatives are not in charge of of Congress, <clears throat> uh, in, in charge of Washington. They're not in the majority. So some uh, there has to be some realistic expectation. Look, if it was up to me, I would cut spending across the board. Um, you know, something like 20, 30 percent of federal employees, for example, are defined by the federal government as non-essential employees. Well, gosh, that's where I would start. I mean, really? I mean, <laughs> they're non-essential. You have huge debt. Why do we need them? And, you know, you can cut costs big time. But if they can get themselves to increase just 1% a year per year for a decade, that's a big, big step in the right direction compared to, for example, last year increasing spending 9% in one year alone. Okay? So at least it's going the right direction, and things would start to stabilize a little. And I think the longer term, we would start to see some easing of these inflationary pressures we've had because, again, a lot of it has to do with far, far too much government spending. The government spending 9% more increase in a year, in one year, um, that's going to have a huge impact because we're talking massive numbers, right? So, we could, if, so, again, contact your representatives. Let them know you're in favor of financial responsibility, fiscal responsibility. Um, the politics of this, this is where we got to get away from this and dividing the right versus the left, conservative versus liberal, whatever. This is a, a issue that affects everyone. Like I said, whether you pay taxes or not, you're affected by inflation. You're paying more for everything, food, gas, housing, you name it, right? And so if the government keeps spending more money, there's just going to be more inflation. It's that simple. And so this, could, this is the type of thing that can cross party lines, so to speak, and the majority of Americans, I, I, I firmly believe, the vast majority of Americans agree with this. I understand there's a group out there that just want free stuff and want the government to give, you know, provide them with their everything. You know, my, how many of them there are out there, I don't know. <clears throat> it's probably, it, it's not a majority, not even close. But, uh, and, you know, they want the freebies. Frankly, they're lazy, okay? It's sad. It's a lack of moral character, in my opinion. <clears throat> Why would you want somebody to just hand, you know feet hand you, um, a, you know, a subpar existence? Why wouldn't you want something better for your life? I don't understand that. I don't relate to that. I don't. I don't. I don't understand it in any shape, manner, or form. And I think most people are that way. Okay, I still believe there's still good moral fiber in the majority of Americans. Not the not everyone, but again, we don't need everyone. You only need a majority. Okay, so getting some financial, like I said, I'm encouraged because getting some financial responsibility in our government has been sorely lacking and, need, and has been sorely needed 
for decades. And finally, finally, we're seeing some movement in that direction. Now, let me talk about a couple of things that are the movement in the wrong direction. You know, Biden's just unveiled the toughest ever electric emissions rules and bid to force electric vehicle purchases. If this goes into effect, they're, they're talking about two-thirds of all vehicles could be electric by 2032, folks. That's 10 years. This, but this most, it's an aggressive tailpipe emission standard that would force, the EPA would force uh, model, model years starting in 2027 to um, increase the amount of electric vehicles dramatically. And, of course, what that would do is increase the cost of the average vehicle roughly double. It would roughly double the cost of what people are paying for vehicles today. Secondly, you know, like I said, the average cost of an EV today is around 64000 where the average cost of a, uh, a gas-powered compact car is 26000 So I'm sorry, it wouldn't double. It would be triple, roughly. So it would increase the... And, <laughs> The cost for the average American by roughly tri- triple, again, for any uh, fuel-efficient type of vehicle. Also, <clears throat> the medium range uh, is like 230 miles uh, on an EV and where you can get 400 miles on a gas fat vehicle before you have to fill it up again. Of course, you can fill up far quicker than you can charging. Uh, charging would cost more than fill up, to, probably. And as more EVs came on, more electric vehicles, here's the big Here's the big bugaboo, if so to speak, if you will. <clears throat> the cost of electricity will increase because our electrical grid is not set up to handle that nowhere close. So the cost of electricity would increase dramatically. The environmental impact would be, if in many cases, worse because of the materials it requires to build the electric vehicle are far more polluting than the oil, the gas that's used in the gas-powered cars, okay? So <clears throat> give you an example, um, places like California and Germany, which have gone heavily pushing towards elect EVs, the cost of electricity over the last decade has increased five-fold. Folks, those are economic facts. Imagine, if you will, we were in a situation where two-thirds of the vehicles on the road in the United States were electric vehicles just 10 years from now. Right now, I think the total electric vehicles, the last I saw, was approximately, in the United States, about 6%. So you would increase the number of electric vehicles tenfold in just 10 years. Folks, that would cause economic catastrophe for many, many Americans, okay? It would be an economic burden worse than we've seen already. It would be a disaster. But let me give you another example of the wrong direction. Germany, which, of course, has a problem with energy because they've shut down much of their sources of energy. And, of course, we're buying uh, natural gas from Russia before the Ukraine war, right, which... uh, it's it's a it's a security threat, folks. <laughs> Plain and simple. It's 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 not just energy, but it has to do with uh, you know uh, security for a country. Well, they have now decided to shut down their re- remaining nuclear power plants, despite the fact that they have a energy problem. You want to talk about cutting your own, you know, shooting yourself in the foot, right? Cutting your own throat. 
it, it's just ridiculously stupid and foolish to take those kinds of actions in the in the name of greed energy. And I, I'm sorry, I just can't get behind things where you have leaders like we have here with the Biden administration, Germany and others making incredibly foolish and stupid economic decisions around energy that are just going to end up costing people more and more money, uh, cause more economic pain. I know they don't care. I get it. And you always want to understand, if you want to follow the money, uh, if you want to understand something, you follow the money. I, I get it. I get it. They're wrapped up in this green energy thing. It's it's like a religion. To, it, it, it is, folks. It's become a climate religion. And when you and you're talking about green energy zealots, well, you know when you have a a zealot, you have a radical. Okay, that's what they are. They're just green energy radicals. Um, you can't argue with them with reason. Okay, reason just doesn't <clears throat> doesn't go anywhere. And I know we hear a lot of people talk about. I still hear a lot of people, well, you know, I wish we just, you know, everybody would just kind of get along. Well, when they're, when you have one side attacking and attacking and attacking your very economic security and your very economic freedom, folks, economic freedom is freedom. The founding fathers understood that. It was called the pursuit of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right, in the Declaration of Independence. Our very first founding document. Folks, those are the founding documents of this country. And I understand the left has rejects the Constitution and the, the Declaration of Independence and those kinds of things. But, folks, those very founding documents are some of the very reasons why our country has been as successful as it has for as many people as, as it has. Throughout all of human history, this has been the most successful form of government for more people, offering more freedom, more economic freedom, and a better lifestyle than any other form of government in the history of the world, in the history of humanity, period. That's the facts. You can't argue facts. And if you want to reject all that and cause pain, I'm sorry, we need to rise up as an electric, as electric, as people, as voters, and vote these people out. Get rid of them. It's the only way we're going to solve these problems and reduce this economic pain that we've been dealing with. Contact me if you want more information. Stay tuned. And I've got one more segment left. I'm going to encourage you to stay tuned and not miss it. Stay tuned for more Common Sense from Ferens. For more information, contact Ferens at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Ferens Toth. Want more information? Contact Ferens at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Now back to the show with Ferentz Toth. Welcome back to Your Personal Bank Show. And I want to touch on one more thing. If you've been a listener to the show, you know that I always, I always say, I get asked this all the time, 
how do you come up with these things? How, this information, how do you find, learn, or understand, or figure these things out? And I've always said one of the, one of the best ways to understand something, if especially if it doesn't make sense, if you want to understand it, you follow the money, follow the money trail. And it isn't some sometimes, many times, it's not always easy to follow that trail. But once you figure it out, once you figure out that trail of breadcrumbs, if you will. And I guess it's something I, I enjoy researching. I enjoy learning new things. I'm a voracious reader. I've, I was sharing this with a client just the other day. Um, I used to, like, read a book a week on average. Um, now I read a lot of more of the, you know, current events and news and things like that. And I just, uh, I've always been inquisitive about and in learning those things. My point is <clears throat> follow the money. Figure out what the money trail is. And I've got one that ha- for a lot of people has not made a lot of sense. And I've got found information that finally connects the dots and helps us understand the reason why. And it has to do with the COVID shot. It wasn't a vaccine. Remember, vaccine prevents, right? It's been proven. Um, the COVID, COVID, vac- uh, COVID shot. So it turns out, and we've seen, I've found documentation to this fact, that, um, for example, in, here in Anthem, the Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield, for example, was paying incentives to doctors for getting the shots for their patients. And there were periods of time through September of 2021 and December 20 through December 2021, and the practice would receive various bonuses based on the percentage of the members of the practice the doctor would receive bonuses. And it was quite interesting that uh, they would get 30%, for example, of their patients uh, received the shot, they'd get a $100 bonus per patient. And if they got up in different percentages, if they got all the way up to 75%, they could get up to $250 bonus per, uh, per patient. You know, think about it. You had 100 patients or 1,000 patient practice. Folks, that's a lot of money, Okay. A thousand patients would be, and a seventy-five percent would be a two hundred fifty thousand dollar bonus. Look, I understand doctors; many doctors make good money, but even for a doctor making good money, that's big money, big dollars. Another aspect about this bonus program, which was interesting, is they had to hit certain um, targets, and some of the bonus, some of the catches was the pediatrician. Oh, this was talking about pediatricians for. Uh, children under the age of two, they had different targets for them for bonuses. Uh, for a doctor who had t- 200 patients, the bonus could be $80,000. But the catch was they had to have at least 63% of their patients uh, fully vaccinated, including the flu vaccine. So it was a flu vaccine in combination as, with the uh, COVID shot. So um, in other words, those 400 bucks a head, kids had would be the whole bonus. And if they didn't hit that 63% target, they would lose the entire bonus, folks. In many cases, uh, you're, if you were that one kid, you were the parents of that one kid, for example, and that was going to give them over, get them over or under that 63% target, the difference could be worth $40,000 or more to that doctor. Again, you start, it starts to make some sense why so many doctors, sadly, um, instead of following their Hippocratic oath of do no harm, 
And if you've done any research with COVID and mRNA, mRNA uh, shot and everything else about it, it's causing for some people the side effects. Many of the long-term side effects are still unknown because, again, it's so new. But even some of the short-term and medium-term side effects for, for many people is not good, okay? The reality is they were paid bonuses, and this money, of course, came from the pharmaceutical companies. Let's be real. And that's, then you know, the money, money talks, right? And that's the reason why so many doctors bought into this program and convinced or pressured or encouraged, whatever, their patients to take the COVID shot. Not all of them did. If your doctor was one that did not encourage it, then you, that's, you, you, you had one that didn't sell out, so to speak, to the pharmaceutical industry. And you have a good doctor. But if you had one that, um, how should I say, um, encouraged it, that's a nice way of putting it, I would find a different doctor. Because I'm sorry, they, were, they sold out. They sold out to the pharmaceutical industry. Those are the facts, folks. Forget the politics, as I always say. They follow the money, and then you start to understand why things are the way they are. I'm going to wrap up with this. Look, it's, we're in some crazy times. The Federal Reserve themselves are predicting a recession this fall, diversifying your money into some guaranteed monies, increasing dividends, tax-free. All that just makes sense. You want more information, contact me. I'm going to really encourage you to do that, and I can help you navigate all of this. And I want to just finish up with, as long as it's still on our money, in God we trust. This show is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information. The presenter and guests of this program do not engage in legal, accounting, or tax advice. Professional advice regarding your situation should be sought if required. Some products discussed may have limitations and not be available in all states. Excessive unpaid loans may affect performance. Distributions may become taxable if not managed properly. Replacements may not be suitable for everyone. There may be charges when replacing coverage. Dividend rates and bank line of credit rates may change. For current rates, contact Ferrance at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. Again, that's 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.